All right, it's November 6th, which means it's time for the Daily Spinner Rack. I'm Dan, regular host of the Comic Book Pit Podcast, here to talk about today's random comic book. And the pick from my collection is Star Wars number 100 from Marvel Comics, published October 1985. It's 48 pages with a cover price of $1.25. The cover art is by Tom Palmer, and it's a beautiful cover. It looks like it's uh, painted. This issue was written by Joe Duffy, penciled by Cynthia Martin, inks by Art Nichols and Sam De La Rosa, colors by Petra Scotis, letters by Rick Parker, and it was edited by Ann Nacenti, and of course the editor-in-chief at the time at Marvel was the notorious Jim Shooter. Usually for a anniversary issue, it's either going to be a great jumping on point or a terrible jumping on point. A lot of times, the, the comic companies will they'll use an anniversary issue to either start a story or wrap one up or change the status quo. Like I said, a lot of times it's it's pretty good for a uh, for a new reader. This is not not one of those issues. So it opens up on the forest moon of Endor. We have something called the Alliance of Free Planets. So it's no longer just the Rebellion. The Rebellion was the you know the, the scrappy makeshift army that we've seen in all the movies and animated series and books, etc. This is now the Alliance of Free Planets. So it's the Rebellion working with other planets, other races, other systems to, I guess, uh, combat the, the, imper- um, the Empire and, you know, other, um, other threats. The Alliance of Free Planets High Command detects a fleet of Nagai starships headed towards the, the new base that they have on Endor. So we can figure out that the Nagai are a threat. <laughs> this isn't just about the Empire anymore. So after dispatching a squadron of Alliance and Mandalorian fighter craft to meet the invading fleet, Admiral Akbar orders the evacuation of the Endor base in order to prevent the Ewoks and other indigenous species from getting caught up in the conflict. However, their two best pilots, Luke Skywalker and Han Solo, are unable to accompany the other Alliance pilots on the mission against the Nagai fleet because they both recently failed a piloting exam due to their unorthodox flying skills. So while uh, you know Han and Luke are stuck on uh, on the base, the Alliance fleet leaves and Han and Luke venture into the forest with Tippet the Ewok and they discover a secret group of Nagai led by Han's adversary. And and I think even Han even says in the book, I don't know why this guy hates me so much. I don't even know the guy. Han's adversary, his name is Knife, (laughs) along with a number of Macabre warriors wearing uh, giant suits of armor. So they overhear that the group of Nagai that infiltrated the planet they're preparing a secret attack on the base, you know, since a bulk of the, the the pilots and forces left to 
face the Nagai fleet. Not only that, Han and Luke overhear the Nagai talk about the traitor that is that has also infiltrated the Alliance that has been giving the Nagai information. They've been leaking strategic information about combat formations and things like that, which you know will give the Nagai fleet the upper hand and basically allow them to you know be a complete massacre of the Alliance. So as the Nagai and Macabre armored soldiers depart for the Alliance base, Luke races ahead of them. They they have a, a, they have a pair of speeder bikes. Luke races ahead on a speeder bike to warn them. Han has to uh, Han actually gets caught up uh, fighting an armored Maccabee soldier and and has to essentially use his speeder bike to destroy the the armored soldier so he's on so he's on foot he's trying to run back and he runs into his old friend bay who who actually reveals that it's he that is the informant to the nagai since and he also reveals he is half nagai so there's a little bit of a drama as just at that moment knife appears and tries to kill han bay steps in and and knocks uh, knocks knife over. Han shoots knife, cradling knife in his arms. Bay reveals another. <laughs> there's another yet another reveal that Bay and knife are half brothers. Han's like, oh boy, that sucks. So he splits. Eventually, Luke reaches the base and informs Akbar and Mon Mothma of the impending ground attack, and he also explains that. The Nagai fleet already know of the alliance's tactics and strategies because of the of the mole. So Akbar reaches out to the alliance fleet, who are already getting badly beaten by the Nagai fleet led by Lumia, the Dark Lady of the Sith. And Akbar, you know, tells them they have to abandon all their pre-planned combat formations and tactics and strategies. Lando, you know, he takes the initiative and he leads the other pilots and or the rest of the fleet, the remaining fleet, in a, a successful counterattack. Ironically, using some of Han's unorthodox piloting techniques, back on Endor, the armored Maccabee warriors arrive at the Alliance base and attack. But Luke also shows up. You know, between his own fighting skills and his force sensitivity, he's able to determine where the weak spots are in these armored soldiers. He's able to incapacitate a lot of them. Realizing that they are losing the Maccabrees, um, actually the armor, the like the arms and legs pop off and they kind of turn into these capsules and they like shoot off into, into space. They just fly. It's almost like a, like a reverse escape pod. Like they're on the, they're on the moon, they're on Endor. And then they just kind of, they just poof, they just shoot off into space. And so then at that point, the rest of the Alliance was successfully evacuated. Luke suggests that he and Han and Leia and the remaining people in the base leave Endor as soon as possible before the Nagai can regroup. They, and he essentially states that they're at war again. So I guess up to this point, there was still, they were still like in a, a, a moment of peace, but now they're back at war. Han and Luke are certain that they'll be able to fly again, which I would hope. I mean, it's the, the whole 
oh, you can't fly because our computers say that you're too unorthodox. It's just kind of a dumb contrivance just to get them to stay on the planet. And, you know, Han and Luke were good enough pilots when they were blowing up the Death Star. Uh, I've actually never read any of the original Marvel Star Wars comics from the 70s, or the, or the series that started in the 70s, I should say. I really didn't have a you know a lot of background going in i mean this this wasn't the worst comic i've ever read it was up there though <laughs> it wasn't great and had some interesting moments i actually didn't mind the art from cynthia martin um i've i was not familiar with her going into this you know the name does not sound familiar all these years later um she had a really interesting style of art like a kind of a thin line, almost like an Art Nouveau style combined with a traditional comic book style and even like a hint of manga. And the, uh, the the colors were interesting as well. Yeah, other than that, I think unless you are a hardcore fan of Star Wars, this issue probably won't do a lot for you. I think the, the, most, the most enjoyable thing overall about this issue was the cover, which was uh, just beautiful. You know, and, and this was issue 100, and I don't believe that the series lasted much past this issue. I think it ended at issue 107. So I, I think the whole uh, storyline with the with the Nagai could probably, I'm guessing, finishes out this series. So that is all for Star Wars number 100, and for this episode of Daily Spinner Rack. Make sure to come back every day for a new discussion of a random back issue from my collection. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you tomorrow.